Good morning again, everybody. Good to see everybody out. Good to have you. If you're logging on to Facebook or onto YouTube later on, it's good to have you with us uh, this morning as well. And always a privilege to be here sharing in God's Word. Let's see here. Children's Church. Ernie and Lisa, you guys handling Children's Church? Okay. So 12 and under, uh, head out for that. While they're heading over, if you want to go ahead and mark in your hymnal, number 164, Are You Washed in the Blood? We'll use that as our hymn of invitation uh, this morning. So uh, good-looking little group going out there. Again, good to have everybody here. Uh, glad to see you here, especially uh, if you've been sick or for whatever reason and, and been away. It's good to have you back with us and uh, certainly... Uh, continue to keep the folks in our community that is, uh, that is suffering illnesses, uh, regardless of the, of the name that they give it. Of course, as I was thinking about this past week, what I was going to be preaching on, and uh, this Sunday, I thought somebody has hit the rewind button, and uh, they've left it on too long. Uh, and, uh, or Yogi Berra, some of you older baseball fans might remember this. Yogi Berra once said it's like deja vu all over again. So, uh, but, uh, and it's no fun. And, and everyone knows what I'm talking about. And, and we, we get used to this variant stuff because I'm afraid it's going to be around for a long time. But I want you to understand something. I am not afraid. And that's what we have to, and I thought it was a great work of the Holy Spirit and the songs that we sung, especially uh, we believe in. There's you know, one verse in there that I wanted to point out as, as we sung it. It says, let our faith be more than anthems or the songs that we sing. We have to put our faith into action. And that's what I want to encourage. That's the, the point of this message that I have this morning is for, for our faith to be in action. Because in a world where the information we know, it changes from hour to hour, really. You can flip it on the news and come back an hour later and they've changed the information. It keeps our heads spinning. It keeps our emotions on some kind of roller coaster. And our anxiety levels are bouncing off the roof because of the information that we keep being fed. But what this world, what our country and uh, our state and our county and our community, they need four things from Christians right now. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. And I want to encourage you with these words, these four things that's needed from Christians. We have a job to do. Always have had a job to do. But especially now, with everything changing, Christians have the key to the one unchangeable thing available to mankind, and that is God's love and his grace and his mercy. That never changes. And the Christian has the key to that through the, the knowledge and our witness and our service toward that. So that's the title of this morning's sermon. Four things they need from us or the world needs from us as Christians. Now, I don't want you to think that I'm dismissing anything that's going on uh, in the world right now with the virus and all the other stuff. It's been going on, seems like, forever around the globe. Unrest, protesting, uh, wars and rumors of wars. But isn't that what Jesus warned us about? That there would be times like this? And that's what I want to encourage you. Jesus told us about this long before I ever stood in this pulpit and reminded us of this. 
And we can take comfort because we are, we are not surprised because of God's wisdom that he gives us. So let's equip ourselves this morning. I want to begin by turning to Hosea. Now I'm going to tell you, go ahead and give you fair warning. A lot of scripture this morning. A lot of scripture coming at you. This is one of those sermons that if you like to mark down scripture to use later on to help someone, this is one of them sermons, okay? So Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 is where we will start this morning. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6. And listen to, listen to what the, the prophet writes here talking about, well actually the Lord says. My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. The lack of knowledge, lack of God's knowledge is what destroyed and caused Israel problems all throughout their history. And we're seeing that same effect in our nation and world today. The lack of knowledge of God. So the first thing that the world needs from us as Christians is they need to know. And what is it that they need to know? John chapter 8 verse 32. Jesus speaks these words. He says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That's what people need is truth today. <laughs> Because we have so much information, so much of it conflicting according to where you get your information from. You can always find a conflicting view with whatever bit of information, but still yet the one thing remains, that God's word is truth. And Jesus says the truth will set us free. And that's what the world needs today is truth. And if they can't get truth from Christians, where are they going to get truth? They're not going to get it from the world. We see that now. So we have to understand. And that's the biggest need in our time. Knowledge of God's holy word. Israel destroyed for the lack of knowledge. That's what Hosea says. And when Jesus was here, if people would have realized the truth, we wouldn't, I don't think, have this religious Bible that we have today. And you think, what are you saying, Rob? Well, we're divided. There is so many different religions in the world today that you just go pick the one that suits what you believe, not what is the, the scriptures support. If it, just imagine what a world we would live in if Jesus and the disciples' teaching was strictly adhered to from the first century to today. What, where would we be? We think about that. What a wonderful world I think it would be. A different world, certainly. In Colossians, Chapter 3, verse 16, Paul writes this and says uh, these words. It's talking about uh, as Christians, you know, how that we are commanded. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with the grace in your hearts to the Lord. Does God's word richly dwell within us? You need to ask yourself that throughout the course of this week. Does God's word richly dwell within me? Because that's what Paul's encouraging us to do. Also encouraging us to sing. To sing. Encourage one another. And correct one another when necessary. 
That's difficult for us to do, though, isn't it? It's difficult for us to go up to a brother or sister in Christ and, and, and tell them that what they're doing is wrong, what they're engaged in is wrong, maybe what they think or what they feel about something is wrong, but that's exactly what we're called to do with love and out of love, Christian love. But ask yourself and examine your relationship and ask, does God's word richly dwell within me? Because that's when that truth dwells within us, what's going to come out? Truth. Truth is going to come out when it dwells within us. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. Hebrew writer says this, For the word of God is quick or alive or living, some of your translations may say, and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner, you hear that? The discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God's word is that way. It's alive. It's living. And when we read it, when we allow it to richly dwell within us, it will get right down and cut out the bad. It will convict us of the things that need to be changed. Because it can discern what is in our hearts. It can discern our intentions. Unchangeable truths. And when we are anchored in those unchangeable truths, we can be an anchor for other people. We can be a source of strength for other people through God's word. And that's one thing I think you would agree. We need a source of strength and faith for all people today. But it doesn't come from anything that the world can offer. It only comes from God's word. Only comes from the truth that is there. And you think about the Israelites. They, uh, they were ignorant, really, of God's righteousness. And it caused them to establish, really, their own righteousness, which wasn't acceptable. They added on to God's commandments and added on, added on, 614 some odd commandments that they added to, to develop their own righteousness. And we see that in the world today. We see our churches, we see religious organizations that make up their own rules. It's aside from God's truth. It's just like the, the, uh, the Pharisees and Sadducees making up stuff and added it to God's word to add to their own righteousness. And we see that cloaked in today's society under the words acceptance and tolerance. But what it really, the, the correct word to describe that is called disobedience to God's word. So we have to adhere to the truths of God's word. We have to allow them to richly dwell within us. And we have to allow his word, his truth, to change our hearts and our intentions. In other words, our minds. To live toward him. That's zeal is what that's actually defined as. But we need to direct that zeal toward God and his service and his truth. Not what I prefer. Because God says, my ways are not your ways. Thank goodness. Because I goof up. God don't. His way is perfect. Here's a sad verse. And you think about it, it's really sad. It's Isaiah, first chapter. Uh, Isaiah chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Listen to this. 
the ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib or feed trough. But Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider, ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of, of evildoers, children that are corruptors, for they have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backwards. Could you not plug in the United States into that statement right now? Isn't it a shame to think that an ox or a donkey is smarter than we are as human beings about recognizing who is the one that provides all things for us, our care for us, our shelter for us, our food, our clothing, all the things that are promised. We can't, people can't recognize that, but an ox or a donkey or a cow or a goat, whatever you might raise, they know the master's voice when they call them to feed. But we cannot hear it because we have disconnected ourselves with, from God's truth. Not Christians, I pray. Not anyone that, that hears this message this morning, I pray, disconnects themselves from God's truth. Because it's one thing that the world has to have. 2 Timothy 2.15 Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study, folks, show yourselves approved. Truth is what we want. No, I mean, really, wouldn't it be great if somebody was able to come out and tell us definitively about, and I don't even really want to talk about this virus much, but it just kind of, wouldn't it be wonderful if we had some truth about this virus, some truth about what it takes to, to actually get through this as a world, some truth about treatments, some truth about vaccines, that'd be wonderful if we could have definitive truth. But in this, it shows that man cannot give definitive truth. They can give you their best educated assumption, guess, and that's all we can do. God's Word gives us definitive truth. No questions about it. Never changes, never has, never will. We have to study it so it can richly dwell within us, so it can change us, so that we can pass that on to the world which needs truth as much now as ever. John 5, 39, search the scriptures. Jesus says this now. He says search the and he's talking to the to, to Israelites or, or uh, Jews here because they deny who he is. But listen to what he says. Search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. They're talking about following the law, is what he's saying. And they are which they testify of me. They thought by, by following, rigidly following, and even adding to the, the, the law, that they were going to have eternal life. But the whole time, they're pointing toward Jesus. They're pointing toward a salvation through the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And that's the only way we're going to have truth, is to study the Word. Study the Word. Something else that they, society needs. They need to see us growing. They need to see us growing. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. 
Peter encourages us here with these words. He says, but grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's not a suggestion. <laughs> He's encouraging us to grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do as Christians. We're called to grow. All of us were once, and we can relate to this, right? We were all once physical little babies. And then th through proper nutrition and proper care, we've grown to be adults. Wherever you are in that stage today. That's how that works with the human body. It's the same way with the Christian. We all started out as a babe in Christ. All we could take was the milk of the Word. And that's what we teach in our Sunday school and children's church is the milk, the, the, easy, the, the stuff that's easily digestible to a new Christian. And then as we grow in grace and in knowledge, we begin to add more and more solid teachings that maybe a babe can't understand. But as we mature, we can understand. We are called to grow. We can't just be a little physical, a little bitty baby the whole time. Because we have to learn, remember, about the truth. It has to richly dwell within us. And that's what we're called to do. And we can't, uh, uh, we can't grow in God's grace, folks, by conducting ourselves in a way that he's not pleased. We can't grow in God's grace while we're filled with hate, malice, hypocrisy, envy, evil talking, evil thoughts. You can't do that. That's not growing. That's regressing. Remember he, uh, back we read in Isaiah, they're going backwards. Backwards. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, Peter writes here again, listen to this. He says, Wherefore, laying aside... All malice, all guile, all, and hypocrisies, and envies, all evil speakings, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that what? You may grow thereby. You've got to put all of this stuff away. You've got to put it all behind you. You've got to allow God's word to settle in, sink in, nourish you spiritually and grow. And that's what the world has to see. They have to see a change in you from the, when you were the little baby Christian to the Christian you are now. And they have to be able to witness, you know, they're not like they used to be. They're so much calmer in their spirit. They seem to have so much more forgiveness in their hearts and willingness to help and willingness to, to see the other person's side kind of like what that Jesus fella did. They're being more like that. Duh, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to grow and be more like Jesus each and every day. We have some religious systems out here that's so full of poison they can't grow. They got to get rid of this stuff. We've got to get God's word back into people's hearts and minds across our country. I seen a little thing on Facebook when I was putting up the ad there last night. It said, uh, if we want to cure the world's problems is to ask Jesus back into all the places we've asked him to leave. Amen to that. 
And you think about, look at the world's problems, look at our country's problems, the major places that those occur are the places that we've kicked God and Jesus out of. So let us be smart enough to say, hmm, this is not working too good for us. Maybe we need to get back to the truth of God's word. We have to be willing to grow so that we can teach. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews again, chapter 5, verse 12, he says this, and listen. He says, for when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles or words of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. That's talking about not growing. Saying, well, you should be, at this point, you should be teachers of the word. But now I find that I've got to go back and start all over again. Could you imagine how unacceptable it would be for you if I came up here and taught you a, a kindergarten, kindergarten level Sunday school lesson on Sunday mornings? And did that every Sunday? You, some of you wouldn't stand for it because you're on the meat. The sad part about it is these people that's on, on the Facebook or YouTube or maybe even in this room, that, that would be a good lesson for you. I'm not being critical. I'm just reading to you what the Bible says. The writer of Hebrews is saying, you should be teachers, but now I'm having to give you milk again. We've got to grow, folks. We've got to study. We've got to dedicate ourselves to allowing God's truth to work in our lives. Can't be on a milk diet forever. Something else we need to do. We need to glow. Glow. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Let your light shine, light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We'll read that again. This is Jesus talking here, okay? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. How will we know what a good work is? It comes from God's word, right? And then how do we, do, how do we get to the point where we can do God's work? We allow it to grow, help us to grow spiritually. Uh, and, and then what happens? We shine our light. And people can see our good works and glorify God. That's how it works. If this world, now listen to me, if this world, since Christ ascended into heaven, if this world ever needed to see light, it's now. And if we are supposed to be the light, and we're supposed to be glowing, you know, Webster defines glow like this. He says, uh, means to shine with an intense or white heat. Animated light, earnestness, ardor, or ardor. Those are descriptive terms of a light. But shouldn't that be the descriptive term of a Christian? Intense, zeal, I mean on fire, animated, earnest in what we do. Those are what the word glow means. No, not let your light shine by spurts and 
blinks. What do we do when we have a light bulb that starts blinking? We change that dude, don't we? Oh, it's getting ready to go out. We want a light bulb that's burning bright so we can see, illuminate everything. Sometimes we as Christians start that blinking stuff and we only shine at moments when things are going the way that we want them to go. The rest of the time we're blinking and we're out and we're not shining much. What's that tell us about ourselves? Doesn't that tell us our faith is waning? Doesn't that tell us that we need to get back in the Word and believe what we read and believe what we're supposed to be teaching, allowing it to help us to grow spiritually? I think so. I think if, if we're lights are blinking, uh, that we're having a problem with faith. Paul writes to the church at Philippi, Philippians chapter 2, verse 15, says this. He says, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. We are in the midst of a wicked and perverse nation. And it is growing that direction more each generation. Each generation. Why? Why did God's people perish back? What did Hosea say? Why did God's people perish? From the lack of knowledge. And the more that we, the more that we ask God to leave from our society, the more perverse, the more wicked we see our society become. So why is it so important that I shine my light, Rob? Just like Paul says. We have to go out there and be light and be truth to people so that light will always dispel darkness. Always. Even this, the smallest little light. An old worn out battery in a light bulb, in a flashlight. Seems like it happens to me pretty regular. Go grab a flashlight, flip it on, and it's just bare. But it's a light. It may not shine up, you know, a 10-foot circle around me, but it will still dispel darkness from in front of me when directed. So you may only be one light that can dispel just a little darkness. Maybe you're out with a group of people, and you, and you see all of you have lights, and you see more light being, or darkness being dispelled. I want to share something that happened this morning while I was standing out on the on the front porch there waiting for folks to come in. And I got to looking at that first, it was a hawk flying around back there in the, over the field. And I thought about how pretty he was just up there soaring. And then all of a sudden, uh, here this hawk was going about his business, just living, doing what hawks do. And these three crows come up and decided they were gonna start harassing this hawk. The hawk wasn't bothering the crows. But for some reason, the crows decided they didn't like what the hawk was doing. Didn't, didn't need to be here. The old hawk just kept circling around doing what hawks do. Crows lit in a tree, and you could hear them chattering. And, and of course, we know it's, I know he's talking about that hawk up there flying around. Hawk didn't pay no attention to him. Well, it's just a few minutes. Here comes some more of the crows' buddies coming in. And they start talking about this hawk flying around up in the air. Old Hawks, I guess he got tired and went over and he landed in a tree. Well, the crows decided they was going to go over to the tree and tell them what they thought about him. 
And all of a sudden, two more hawks that I didn't even know existed at that time were in trees close by. And when those crows took off toward that one lone hawk, these other hawks come in behind them. And when they all, when the crows got, got sight of the hawks coming to support their buddy, they fled. They was just scattered. Toosh, they was gone. Didn't hear no more crows. No more harassment. We are like that, folks. Singled out by ourselves, the world can get us to the point where it stops us from doing what we normally should be doing as Christians. But when we realize that we have the support of other Christians, we have strength in those numbers. And I want to encourage you this morning that you have brothers and sisters in Christ, not only here in this building, but all around our county, all around our state, and all around this world that support the same efforts that God is telling us to do in His Word. It's to go out and be light. Don't allow the circumstances or even people around you to discourage you from doing what God wants you to do. We have to be light in this world. Have to be. Because it carries such an important, important message. Philippians, see. Uh, we have to be blameless. We have to be harmless. Let his light shine in us. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8. For ye were sometimes darkness. But now you are light in the Lord Walk as children of light. We were all, the Bible says that all people, everyone, fell short, falls short of God's glory. But Jesus is the great equalizer. We were all in the same state, all lost, all hopeless, all without a Savior till Jesus Christ comes into our lives. And once he comes into our lives, that transforms us so that we can be a child of light so let's not look down upon people and turn a flashlight off when somebody comes up that needs some light, that needs some darkness dispelled from their life. Find another light or two or three. Get more light and help them to see and be a light shining in this world. That's what we're called to do. And then finally, the last thing. So what is it that, that we need to... They need to know truth, right? That's what the world needs from Christians. They need to know truth. What's our source of joy, happiness, faith? They need to see us growing, growing as Christians. They need to see us glowing, light, shining our light as we're called to in the scripture. And then what's the last thing they need to see us do? They need to see us going. They need to see us going. Matthew 28 Verses 19 and 20. Jesus, this is the Great Commission. We know this. You've heard it. We sometimes forget it, though. Jesus says, and I'll, I want you all to repeat the first word that, that Jesus says. What? Go. <laughs> Go. Go. What's that mean? Been watching the Olympics? On your mark. Get set. Go. What do they do when they say Go. They sit there and go, no, let them come to me. No. They take off running as hard as they can run. 
Jesus says this. He says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. That's Mark. I'm sorry, I read the wrong one. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto what? The end of the world. Jesus is with us. We talk about living. That, that hawk was just living, doing what... Let's live, folks. There is no sense in walking around, wringing our hands in fear any longer. I want to explain something to you, and you probably you know this, and it ain't like I think I'm going to give you some kind of great revelation, but there's not a person in this room that's going to die one minute sooner than God appointed you to die. Truth. It is appointed once to, for every man to die and then the judgment. Let's live our lives. I'm not saying with reckless abandon. Okay? You live your life with the knowledge and truth of God's love, God's forgiveness, and God's grace. And if that means that you wear a mask, why are you a mask? If that means you don't wear a mask, don't you wear a mask. If that means that you get a vaccine, go get a vaccine. And if that means that you choose not to, don't. It does not affect your ability to be a Christian one iota. It does not change God's will for your life. He gave us a mind to think. He gave us a mind, a sound mind, by the way, if you recall. Not of a spirit of fear, but a sound mind is what he wants us to have. Exercise your ability to think and have a sound mind, folks. And as Christians, let's not be critical. I hope, I surely hope I never hear of another Christian being critical of anyone because of their choices. Because who are we to be critical of anyone in the light of God's truth? Because all that matters is that we believe what the Scriptures tells us and it richly dwells within us and we grow as Christians and we shine our light as Christians, and we go out and we tell and we go out and we be Jesus to our community, to our, our county, our state, our world if possible. That's the important things. That's what's the most important thing that we can do. The early church took this very same message. We understand this. The message that Jesus gave that said, go ye into all the world, is the same message we preach today, is the same message that he said on the day of his ascension to the disciples. It's not changed. There is no second edition of the Bible that has an updated or a revision to it. This is it, folks, because it is truth. And that's what we have to understand. And those people that try to bust it up, you remember a fellow called Saul? Remember him? Go look at Acts chapter 8 with me. Acts chapter 8, verse 4. And if you read verse 3, which I didn't put up here, but if you read verse 3 in your Bibles, you'll see that Saul is the one responsible. Therefore, they that scattered abroad went everywhere, what? Preaching the word. Saul thought he was eradicating the church. What he was doing was helping grow the church before he became part of the church. 
So that's what we have to realize and understand. It doesn't matter what kind of efforts are made to, to, to cause us to be quiet or to not share, or not shine, not glow, not grow, not richly dwell. It doesn't matter because those efforts usually help the church to grow. But you know what has to be, you have to have one critical thing, a willing participant. That's what the disciples were. They weren't perfect people, were they? But they were willing. They were willing participants in God's plan. And that's what I want to encourage you and tell you. I know everyone in this room. I, I love everybody here as brothers and sisters in Christ. You can do this, folks. You can go out and be light wherever you are. You can go out and shine your light wherever you are, and I want you to do that. I want you to go live your life. I want you to live it without fear. I want you to live it seeking out God's guidance because I want to recommend something to you. I just don't want you to do it the way I did it. I want to recommend you lay a flat of your back for 10 days and pray. And you just pray. And you pray for wisdom, and you pray for knowledge, and you ask for wisdom how to use that knowledge in your life. And it's a life-changing experience when you listen to God. I recommend it. Go on vacation, but lay in your bed for 10 days and pray. And you see how it changes you. It changed me. It changed me. And that's why I want to encourage you to go out and be light, because that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a brighter light. You know how you got that little scale on your cell phone light where you can turn it down real low? I just kick mine all the way up. And that's what I want you to do. I want you to go out and you say, you know what? Rob's absolutely right. The God's work's true. I believe it. And I'm going to let it work in my life. And I'm going to be light. I'm going to go out there and be glowing. And that's what I hope you do. And you know what's going to happen? Just like when Saul tried to disperse and, and destroy the church, people's going to go out and the church is going to grow. And lightness is going to dispel darkness in our world. And that's the only hope that we have for anything today. Amen. Is that light dispels the darkness. So I asked you this morning, where are you at? Have you, have you been? Here's, here's something. I've got so excited there. <laughs> Shot right through more. Through two more, uh, preached uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 13 through 15, as we finish. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. I don't know how many we've got here this morning. 30, again, probably about 35. There is no physical way that I can go be a light to all the people that you will encounter next week. Just not physically possible for me to do that. Whenever we're talking, when Luke's writing this, and he's talking about, I said Luke, whenever Paul's writing this to the church at Rome, he's not talking about preachers that stand up here in a pulpit on Sunday morning. 
He's talking about people that believe God's truth. They allow it to richly work within them. Their light is out there shining and they're spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. He's talking about Christians. How are people going to know about light unless they know about Jesus? And how are they going to know about Jesus if somebody don't tell them? And that part about being sent, do you realize that there is no accidents where you end up through the course of the day in God's mind? You're going to encounter somebody this week that God intends you to be light to. That I'll never meet most likely unless they come to church. So you have to be active in what you do. Go out. You're the ones that's sent. I'm, I'm called to do a job too. But you're the ones that's sent out to spread the good news and glad tidings of Jesus Christ. So do it. I know you can. I got confidence in you. You know why I know? Because for 17 years I've been standing up here telling you how to do it. You can do it. There's not a doubt in my mind. Not a doubt in my mind whatsoever. Knowing, growing, glowing, and going. That's pretty good. Kind of snappy, ain't it? It's what the world has to see, folks. It's what the world needs now more than ever. So ask yourself this morning, where are you? Where are you in relation to what the world needs to see from Christians? Now, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, as, as the, the, the commandments made, the Great Commission, teaching, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, all the, all the things that I taught you, Jesus said, if you've never accepted Jesus, you don't have the blessings of his truth. You don't have the comforts of God's love, grace, and care. He loves you, but you don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. You've not been forgiven of your sins. You're lost. You are lost. But there's a way to remedy that. By hearing the gospel. By believing Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Living Son of God. Our Savior. Confessing Him as such. Repenting of your sins. Being buried in, with Him in the likeness of His death. and baptism. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Remission of sins or forgiveness of sin. Raise that new creation. And from that point. You start allowing God's word to richly work and dwell within you. You begin to grow. You begin to let your light shine, and then you go out and be Jesus. And maybe you're a Christian. And maybe you realize that something I've said this morning applies to you. And if it did, great. That's my intent. Get things back in order. If nothing else, I want to encourage you to go out and shine your light. The world desperately needs it. And if we don't do it, who will? We're going to sing a hymn of invitation, Are You Washed in the Blood? We're going to sing the first and second verse of this hymn. If you have a decision to make, I encourage you to come as we stand and sing.